0: What's up, folks? Xavier Catani here with the Human Experience, and what a amazing, profound, deep episode! It's such a real, honest conversation with Kaveh and. It's probably one of the most real conversations we've had on the show, honestly. And I just thoroughly enjoyed my time with him. And I think you guys really enjoy his material, his movies. He, we talk about all the aspects of just the human condition and what it feels like to fail and fail constantly. And Cave has this sense of really being honest about that and I, I think you guys will really enjoy that so i highly recommend Kaby's work there is something new that we're doing with these episodes we're starting the members only section the content section of the site so a part of this interview is only going to be available for members so we will link you to the members' side where you guys can sign up to get access to the rest of this interview, and that's where we get into the real deep, deep hitting content. Otherwise, guys, find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all at the Human XP. Thank you guys so much for listening. The Human Experience is in session. My guest today is Mr. Kave. It's a heady and we are discussing existentialism and life and his work. Jave, welcome to The Human Experience. Thank you. I have admired your work ever since you had the cameo on Waking Life with the, the scene of the holy moment. Mm-hmm. and I think that's where I kind of found your work and I, I saw that and I was like uh who who is this guy and I started looking I went through all of the work that you had done I saw uh in the bathtub of the world uh-huh. where you recorded each day of your life and I found that fascinating so you know how did you get into this process I mean where did this begin for you
1: um well I used to be uh kind of when I was young like you know 17 or whatever i was torn between like art and politics and it seemed like you know part of me wanted to like you know change the world and make it better and part of me just wanted to like express myself and i think i was kind of torn and i wouldn't you know felt like i had to go into politics or i had to go into art and i couldn't really figure out a way to integrate those two desires and uh, one day i think i was um a freshman in college i just thought oh film Actually, is a way that you can do both art and politics at the same time, and um, that was a very liberating uh, realization. And I just started making films.
0: Yeah, and there is a lot of that in your film, in your work. There is a a sort of challenging of the status quo, and I mean, you were challenging it early. I mean, with your with your first movies, uh, I was possessed by God to talk about, uh, the existence of God. And I mean, let's get into that. I mean, where, where does this come from? Where does this passion about finding out these sort of answers to these big questions? Where does, where does that originate from?
1: I mean, it mostly comes from, you know, hallucinogenic experiences. I mean, I think drugs were a huge, you know, transformative, uh, influence on my life. Um, and I, all of my God stuff comes from that. I mean, I, I was an atheist before I, I tried, you know, LSD and stuff. Um, so, you know, my work is very, I think, psychedelic inflected, um, hmm. although not always completely overtly, uh, although usually every film has like a drug scene in it. Um, but I think the the autobiographical stuff started uh, as a result of, uh, of an LSD trip. And it was, um, hmm. I was writing a script, I was in film school, about vivisection which i was against and i was having a hard time writing it and i was trying to sort of make like a hollywood movie against vivisection um and i, I took some lsd just because i got into terence mckenna recently and i was sort of sort of exploring that realm and um i had this vision uh and there was like a, a vision of the buddha and i'm not a buddhist at all so it was it came out of nowhere and he, he had his hand open and in his hand there was a flower And that's all it was. But with that image was a, was a, was an insight, which was that anybody was saying to me, you know, through this symbol was that beauty is everywhere. It's right in front of your face. And the flower was like beauty that's right in front of your eyes that you don't see. And the kind of the classical Hollywood model that we were being taught had to do with, you know, making the stakes really high and a certain amount of conflict and drama and I kind of just realized, you know, the, the thing that's missing is that we don't see what's in front of us. And this is the experience and the lesson of drugs as well. It's like, you know, we just don't see what's right in front of us. And what's in front of us is astonishingly beautiful and astonishingly moving. And yet we're not, we're not always astonishingly moved uh, or astonishingly stunned by how beautiful, you know, I'm sitting in a basement and, you know, it's by anyone else's description quite ugly, um, and, but if I was on drugs, it would, it would be like the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. And, and, it, and it is. I just can't see it. So yeah. it just became like, I think that the trick is to learn to see the world as it really is. Yeah. And so I started making films about my life, just like really ordinary things and not dramatic things. And I sort of moved away from fiction and just towards like, how can I see what is right in front of me? And how can I represent it or show it in a way that people see the beauty of it and also the, the depth of it? Um, and I think also there's something about honesty. Like I'm not religious, or, or I have no like uh, agenda or platform, and I don't know why anything is. But I do believe that if you're honest about what you're feeling and who you are and what's really going on with you, that is the path towards towards something better. Like that's that's God's path to the world is just the truth. So. Everything just yeah. tries to be honest and to see what is right there that is sort of unseen.
0: Yeah, that's such a beautiful way to put it. Um, you know, I think there was in in the bathtub of the world, I think you were video blogging before it was even, you know, a thing. And there was a scene that I remember that stuck with me where you took, I think it was four grams of dried mushrooms and from what I remember, it was a long time ago when I saw it, but you're, you're kind of on the floor and you're just like, we are one. We are one. Not two. We are one. It, was, it made the movie or made, it made the film. It, I just, you know, there's, there was such a strong relationship between your self discovery and your, your willingness to put yourself in front of a camera every day and record it that i found i mean um it was it was a, just a very vulnerable place i mean i don't think i could even do that actually
1: yeah thank you you know it's vulnerable but like if i don't do that i feel dead so it's like vulnerable or dead are the two options
0: yeah um but you you started i mean you graduated with a philosophy degree from yale uh-huh. And then you went to Switzerland in an attempt to work with uh, Jean-Luc Godard. Godard. And, Godard. and, I mean, what, what happened there? I mean, what, was, what led you to that?
1: Well, you know, when I started making films, I had a very sort of simplistic notion of politics, you know. And I made like a you know, very like a preachy social issue kind of films. I made a film about, you know, apartheid and how bad it was. And, you know, just like the usual tropes. And, and I really just didn't really understand film except in the ways that it, I had seen them and sort of was it was very derivative what I was doing. So when I was in college, I took a class called Film and Politics, and it was um, mostly about Godard's contribution to cinema, uh, which was, you know, for me that there was this fundamental insight that he had, which I think was really important, which was that uh, the formal properties of a, of a film are not only as important as the film's content, but they actually there's an ideology that's implicit in the form. And that unless we can change the formal properties of cinema that have this ideology implicit in them, we're not going to change the ideology of our culture, which is obviously a big problem. But the problem with our culture is the ideology is, is backwards, you know, it's, it's wrongheaded. Um, so mm. it just became a, a search for form and for like, what is the right form to speak not only the truth about the present, which is constantly in flux and changing, it needs to constantly evolve and change. But also, what are the implicit ideological assumptions in the current forms? And so my work really came out of that search for a different form that would somehow um, be able to to look at, to deconstruct, you know, the the implications of the ideology that we're all sort of stuck in. And so that's the other kind of part of it.
0: I understand the political aspect of it and your desire to kind of reach this sort of uh, activism part of yourself. But was there also a sort of idea that you might get famous through what you were doing and that your work would become so big that, you know, everyone would know about it? Did you you sort of have that playful fantasy?
1: Yeah, and I still do. Um, (laughs) I, I would love that. And, you know, aside from the ego aspect of it, which is obviously, you know, always there. Um, there's also just like in film, especially like, if you don't reach a certain number of people, you can't make enough money to continue. It's like, kind of goes with the art form itself. And also, you know, I made a bunch of films and I would spend years on them and, you know, I'd have a screening and like, you know, five people would come and most of them would be homeless, you know? And it was just like, Mm -hmm. you know, what am I doing? You know, like if your films aren't being seen, you know, you're not having much of an effect on the world. So there's a there's both a desire, you know, an ego desire for, for fame and glory, which I, I have as much as the next guy, but also a political desire for, for making a difference. And those two desires, you know, cohabit uncomfortably sometimes, but they're both there always.
0: Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. I, I definitely think that those two things might clash in some ways and prevent you from sort of being famous because... And if you were making a movie about, you know, just the mainstream and something accessible to just, I mean, people, people are kind of designed to accept, you know, reality television and the Kardashians. And if you, if you kind of lowbrow it that way, it, you know, that's an easy way to kind of, you know, just, just operate, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody can really lowbrow it successfully unless they're already, you know, lowbrow. Like I think there's some. You kind of have to be who you are, even if you're trying not to be. You still still comes through. So I think you know there are people who are just more in sync with the zeitgeist or with the culture at large than others, and some people are, you know, more in the vanguard or more in some other just marginal place. Um, so I've, I've I'm always trying to make my films more accessible, you know, but I I can't I can't quite pull it off because um, you know, I'm just, I cannot be me on some level and it's just not satisfying to make something that isn't me. And, you know, the hope is that, you know, you'll still hit a zeitgeist vibrational frequency that works. Um, and you know, you do the best you can and and you don't know what the culture is going to do, but you just sort of try to find a balance between who you are and what the culture requires.
0: Mm-hmm. so i think you have uh 15 director credits and i mean that's that's quite a few directions that you've you know had an involvement in and and i mean were those scripts that you wrote as well well i
1: have written scripts and, and some of the films are scripted but a lot of them are you know are more like the nonfiction or they're improvised you know like a script writing is not the main thing i do
0: mm-hmm. go on
1: well, you know, each film is different. Like um, the, the TV show I'm doing right now, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called The Show About the Show. And the way I do that is I just tell a story about what's been happening since the last episode. And then I um, usually do a few different takes of the story. And then I sort of edit together the best bits. And then I reenact things that I'm talking about when it seems appropriate to dramatize something. And then I use documentary footage if I have documentary footage of the things I'm talking about. And it's just kind of this uh, hodgepodge of different uh, formal strategies. But it's basically, you mm. know, storytelling, but without any kind of pre-existing script. It's just like, you know, whatever comes out of my mouth in the present moment is is usually the best way to say it. Um, and, and then I sort of do some, you know, uh, adjusting afterwards. And sometimes I'll write some new, not write new lines. Yeah, write new lines. Like I'll say, oh, I should have said it this way. That would be more, you know, compelling or more uh, communicative. So it's a very, you know, organic process.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. You know, is do you see one of your films as more, I kind of want to say successful, but I mean, that that's I feel like that's such a, a bloated word. Do you connect with one of your films more than the others?
1: I don't. I mean, the most successful one in terms of just money and viewers was probably I Am a Sex Addict. Um, I usually like the most recent thing I've done the most just because it's fresh to me and it sort of, you know, it just speaks to who I am right now. Um, but I, I love them all. I mean, I really, I really do.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it really seems like when you're doing your movies, it, it really seems as if you're exposing your entire life. And doesn't that make you feel very naked in front of the camera and I mean, to kind of show every aspect of yourself to the world it, it must be a very very vulnerable thing to do uh
1: it is and some things more than others um you know i'm a sex addict was about my addiction to prostitutes and that was a very you know shameful uh, feeling um for me uh i had a lot of you know shame around it so that was you know very uncomfortable but um there's also something incredibly liberating about um about being vulnerable or, or naked in a sense and uh and being seen. And, you know, I think, like, like everyone, I, I, I want to be I want to be loved. And, you know, you can't be loved unless you're known. And it doesn't really count for me if it's like a false perception of, of you that is loved. So um, there's also something incredibly gratifying about about just being vulnerable and and, and putting it out there and, and having the people who do appreciate and, and love that uh, appreciate and love that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you, you've been making films for, 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 so long. And I, I, I feel like when, when we kind of, when we fall on our face and make mistakes, I think that's when we learn the most. It, is there any one point, one mistake or one thing or a few things that, that you learned the most from? Well, I think, um, all of my films,
1: I mean, I used to have a, a a film project that I started but never finished that was called A Portrait of Kaveh Zahedi is a Complete Failure. (laughs) And um, the idea for that film was, you know, my my main experience of filmmaking uh, is a failure, you know, like uh, the film didn't do as well as I had hoped or, you know, people didn't like as much as I thought they would or, you know. uh, and, And, you know, I like all the films, but, you know, they always feel like a failure at some level. And I think there's something very spiritualizing about failure, uh, much more so than about success, I think. And so I think all of my films sort of have this as a certain kind of like a hidden theme, you know, like um, that failure is good and that failure is is real and that this is kind of the thing. It's kind of like the the shadow side of us is sort of, you know, the part that needs expression the most. And so... You know, to affirm you know my sex addiction or my, my my character defects or my failures, all of that seems like empowering um, for me and, and also hopefully for others and so um, I think the whole trajectory of my filmmaking has been one incredible lesson of failure and and humiliation um, and and the humility that comes from humiliation in a good sense
0: wow i, I it's such a reversed way to kind of t- Perceive and and can't imagine like operating in that way. I just, in my own experience, I mean, I'm not. I've 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 always been kind of a film nerd, and I I love movies and just diving into to film. And I I've always had this sort of secret desire to write a screenplay one day. But um, just just with this podcast, I mean, if it was continuously failing, I'm not I'm not sure what I would do with that. So, I mean, but you, you've stuck with this and, you know, where do you see people having the most problems with filmmaking and with, with what they're doing with their work? I mean,
1: I think the, the big problem of, of, of the world, of, of humankind is, is ego, you know, like we're all, you know, in our egos and it's very hard to, to you can't, can't kill your ego. Your ego is, is going to be with you your whole life. I mean, it's part of life. So I think... The ego part is often the part that motivates us, you know, to, to 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 get up in the morning and 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 try to make a film and to work hard at it. And it's also the part that you know gets gets the most bruised when the 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 world doesn't embrace it the way you you had hoped. Um, so I think the hardest part of it is is the constant rejection. I mean, you know, you can't put yourself out there publicly and not experience rejection. You know, it's like you can't you can't love and not experience the possibility of loss, you know, like those things go together. Um, so you have to really, I don't know. It's not like I'm, I'm very, it's not like I, I have a lot of self-esteem where I can just, sort of, I can take it like it hurts, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's so growthful. I, I don't know. It's like, um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a real, it's a real gift. I mean, there's this thing uh, in Hinduism, I don't know much about Hinduism, but I've heard that there's something called the left hand of God, where you sort mm-hmm. of like, the fastest way to God is through sin, you know, like, you just do all the bad things, you know, that you want to do. <laughs> and you'll get there just much faster, you know. Um, and it's kind of like that, I think, I think failure is the fastest way to like, overcome ego. And yeah, and, and you know, it's slow, and it's it's kind of kind of a twisted way of doing it. But I think you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to let go increasingly, not because I'm trying to be spiritual cause I'm, I'm really not, but because I just, the, the, it just, it just, you know, you can't keep hitting head hit against a wall and not eventually like turn around and go in a different direction, you know?
0: And you, you've said something along the lines of, Artists tend to grow in self-importance until they are no longer a, a humble servant of creation. What does that mean? You, you went on to say that this means that they lose their connection to the, the source of creation and that all art is channeled. And I mean, going back to the ego and your struggle with that in filmmaking, do you ever feel like you're, you are losing your connection to the source of creation. I mean, I,
1: I lose it every day. I mean, every day is every moment is like, you know, <laughs> oops, I just lost it again, you know. You know, it's like, it's like meditation, you know, you're trying to to focus and you keep getting distracted, you know. It's the same thing. Your ego is constantly like tripping you up. Um and yet, that process of being tripped up constantly is also the way, you know. And it's also the way you get to a meta place where you can just sort of see it all and have a different perspective on it. And it just happens.
0: It's incredibly wise. I mean, I, I find what you're saying incredibly in tune with, you know, what should, people should be saying. Um, so, I mean, when we were when we were setting up this interview, you were talking about, you know, film school a bit. Are you are you still studying how to be a better filmmaker or are you in a teaching role now or I mean, what are you doing nowadays? I mean,
1: I do teach. So I teach filmmaking. But I'm also obviously studying how to do it. I mean, I, I don't feel like I know how to do it or anything. I mean, I, I feel, you know, I feel like a fraud as a filmmaker. I mean, like, you know, there's a zillion things I, I can't do. Like I can't even, you know, I can't even like operate a camera properly. You know, like uh, what does this button do? I have no idea. I'm going to panic, <laughs> you know. Um, and, I, you know, I get by just by hooking, by crook, and by cheating and by begging and, you know, um, just, you know, by avoiding. I, I have a sense of what I don't like. You know, I'm a big fan of the poet Wallace Stevens, and he has this expression of this idea that, you know, uh, poetry is a poem called of modern poetry. And he says, it's the finding of a satisfaction. And I think that's what I'm always looking for. I'm looking for some kind of deep satisfaction. And I know it when I feel it. That's all I've got. All I've got is that I know when I feel satisfied. And I'm like, ah, yes, that, that, that is good. That, that, I'm excited by that. I, I can get behind that. And most of the time it's like, nah, I don't think that's that good. Uh, I can't get behind that. And then when I find it, I find it. And then that's what I put out there. And and I hope other people, you know, find it satisfying too. But I think there's no there's nothing else. It's just this kind of compass of uh, of satisfaction. And then there's also this kind of other compass, which is kind of like a a dowsing rod of like where are the fault lines? You know, where is where is the conflict? Where is the discomfort where's the embarrassing bits and i'm like oh there's something i'm seeing some some tension here something un, unconscious and unresolved and this is where i need to to go you know either myself or in someone else you know like why are you getting uptight right now like what is this about and that's interesting you know that's where that's where the growth is that's what the edge of 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 the envelope.
0: Yeah. We're talking a lot about your work, but how has this affected your connection to other people in, you know, relationships and love relationships and friendships and working relationships? How, I mean, how does that, how does it, how does it relate to those, those things?
1: Well, I don't feel like I'm very good at friendships or, um, the social realm. Um, I mean, I've never been great at the social realm in general. Um, you know, fairly maladjusted, I guess, um, and socially uh, fearful. Really, I'm just afraid of people, and you know, I'm easily uncomfortable. Um, but I'm such a I'm such a workaholic. Uh, you know, and I'm so obsessed with filmmaking that I didn't really put the amount of energy into friendships that that I, that I I think would be healthier. And really, my films are kind of like my my you know my debutante outing. You know, it's like a, this is how I sort of uh, engage with the world. And I don't have a lot of other engagements besides it. And the people I work with on the films are really my, my community and the main way I interact with people. You know, I also, I'm married and I have two little children. So, um, between the filmmaking and the, and the parenting, you know, there isn't a lot of time for that, but I I totally, I'm totally for that. I, I think it's wonderful and important. I think on your deathbed, what you think about is your relationships, not, you know, your movies that you made. Um, right. So I think it's a it's a failing of mine. It's not something I'm I'm, I'm 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 promoting. I haven't quite mastered that part of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think for all of us, I don't think anyone has truly mastered you know the art of of relationships. I mean, I think I think some people are better at it than others, and or some people pretend to be better at it than others. But I think we all kind of. I mean, speaking for myself, I I definitely struggle with that as well. But you, at some point, you did eventually choose to get married and uh, you did choose to have kids, which from the viewpoint of I am a sex addict in, in 2006, and I mean, that was 11 years ago, I mean, there's a lot of cha- growth and change happening there. But I mean, what led you to move to this new progression of your life where you felt like you could com- commit to one person that accepted you and and saw you for who you were and you wanted to kind of uh, procreate with?
1: Um, I mean, two things. One was, you know, again, the left hand of God by by indulging the sex addiction, uh, I, I, you know, I hit bottom and I was like, okay, this is not working. This is not making me happy. This is not where it is. And I had to really go there to really understand that, that the, that the mirage was a mirage. Um, so, you know, the whole sex addiction thing. You know, I was, I, I got that a while ago. Um, in terms of like getting married and having kids, you know, I kind of had this thing like, Oh, cinema is like my religion. And I'm I'm sort of married to to, to the art of cinema and there's no room for anything else in there. And I'm a purist and I'm a priest or whatever, you know, some kind of image of self that was, was, was like that. Um, and I actually was in a DMT group, like we'd meet once a month and I, and we started experimenting with sort of combinations of drugs and at one point someone said you should try lsd and ecstasy together That's really interesting and i was like hmm i never would have thought of that okay um and i had this very uh, kind of a intense trip that was also kind of a very difficult trip and hmm. i just started kind of questioning my my life um, and myself you know like i think a really hard question to ask oneself that i think is really an important question to ask oneself is like am i wrong about everything you know <laughs> like is there something just wrong with me like is are all my all my assumptions kind of based on some fallacy and I kind of yeah. got to that place and I was like, well, I'm not happy. Something's not working. You know, what is it? And it, is, is it me? And what am I doing wrong? And I really asked it kind of honestly to myself, you know, because usually I'm busy sort of justifying my decisions to myself. Um, and I realized, you know, the art thing isn't, isn't doing it for me anymore. Like I can't, you know, it's harder to get out of bed and keep doing it. Like there's something missing. And I realized I really need some kind of grounding in, in the, in, in humanity, like in the world and in, in the, in the ancestors and in the future, like I needed something to tie me to this earth and that I was going to die if I didn't, uh, probably from illness. Um, but that, you know, my, my will to live was sort of diminishing. I could feel my will to live shrinking, you know, shriveling up. Um, and I realized I needed, uh, something else. And I, and I thought, you know, I think I need, I need to, I need a, a family. I need a wife and children. And and then I sort of was, you know, in that mindset. And then I met Mandy and then, you know, we had kids. But it came out of this, really, this drug insight. There was something wrong with my life and it wasn't sustainable anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's so powerfully human because you have such a strong, and this is what I admire about your work and, and you and just knowing you now through this conversation, which is I feel like a, a pretty deep conversation. Um, you're such an honest person, and I think that you use that as your advantage. And whereas most people don't, you know, they will kind of placate things and they will tell you what what they think you want to hear. And and it's it's almost as if the bullshit detectors for you know all of us have changed like we can tell now when when someone is is bullshitting us and it just doesn't fly anymore it doesn't work anymore and so when you when you encounter someone who is being honest and in a raw sense of truth it it's refreshing i mean i don't i mean what is your what are your thoughts on life after death or, I mean, have have you had any experiences that have, have shown you the the non-physical world? I mean, there has to, do you believe that there's a sense of more than just here? Yeah.
1: I mean, I totally have, um, many times, usually, you know, through drugs, but it seems clear to me that this is not the end and that this is a very partial view of reality and a very partial sliver of it. Um, And there, there seems clear, it seems clear to me that there's a God, uh, that we are God, that God is moving through us. And that there's something, you know, that we are, we are the leaves of a tree and the tree is immortal and our bodies are, are not obviously. And, you know, we fall from the tree. And I don't know what happens in terms of our consciousness. Like if, if the, the personality uh, continues after death or not, or if it just the energy of the of the self uh, of the conscience that's behind us just continues in another form? I, I don't know, But mm-hmm. I know that there's something beyond me that will continue to endure beyond me. I mean that's that's uh, obvious to me
0: so then, if you had the choice, I mean, would you reincarnate here? Would you do it again? Would you like experience this earth plane again?
1: I mean, I think, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know anything and that's kind of all I got. And that's, you know, that's like <laughs> that's to good some answer. total of my, of my knowledge. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of A Course in Miracles and I really like resonate with that book. And, uh, you know, when in doubt, I sort of kind of trust what the course is saying. And so I think that we're, we're not here to reincarnate. I mean, we do reincarnate possibly. I, I don't know, but I think we're here to like become one with God, which I think is not about reincarnating, but just being the, the, you know, the eternal spirit that we already are uh, and just realizing it or, or waking up to it, you know? Um, so I'm not thinking in terms of like coming back. I'm just thinking in terms of like moving forward to the next level of evolution, whatever that is.
0: And I mean, I, th- I think you said it, I, I think, it, you know, we are God and, um, there is, something else a uh, higher something else I, I'm not sure how much I believe in this sort of old man figure and I feel I feel as, as if religion has you know divided and conquered us and so so I'm not huge on organized systems of of you know belief and paradigms and and ways of, of thinking but you know there there is a distinct sense of connection, when i'm in an ayahuasca journey and there is absolutely no question in my mind that we we are just these very small specks of light and there's this massive framework that is beyond our conception beyond our ability to understand and conceive and we are just here kind of living through, you know, life and living through our every day. And some people access that, some people get to access that, and other people have absolutely no idea about it. And, you know, some people, when you mention, the, when you say the word drug and the propaganda runs so deep that people turn off and they, they just stop listening and it's it's quite sad that they will never get a chance to experience you know firsthand uh, what it feels like to be in the midst of an lsd journey or an mdma experience or an ayahuasca just i mean it it's it's an interesting state of affairs here in the world and i just appreciate your ability to be so open with your connection with drug use and film. On to my next question here. With with the the larger scope of Hollywood and your connection to you know just uh, ac- actors, directors. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the industry?
1: I mean, I have very mixed feelings. You know, uh, you know, I love the art form, and I and I really um, and I love a lot of Hollywood movies. I mean, I think. A lot of them are, are brilliant and wonderful and I'm not against, you know, Hollywood or anything. I, I, you know, there are things in it that, you know, don't interest me or that I find dull or, you know, um, that don't make me feel alive, but there's so much good stuff. Um, and I'm always trying to sort of move towards it. I mean, I, I'm trying I've been trying to get film for five years with, you know, actors, name actors attached and I've got some name actors attached and some money, but not enough money. And, and, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very ambivalent thing. I mean, I, I think, Recently I've been feeling like, you know, I've really been trying to like um become the person that could get into that club. Um and I've never quite gotten into the club, you know, I feel. Um Mm -hmm. and I've tried really hard. (laughs) And and I think maybe I just will never get in that club, and maybe I don't really belong in that club, and maybe they they understand that. You know, they're like, you know, you know, we don't buy it. You don't think we don't think you fit in here. Um, you would not be a good member of our club. And and, you know, they might be right. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to sort of figure out a way to like pay my bills and feed my family and also make work that I find, you know, true and, and, and alive and vital. And, and you kind of can't avoid Hollywood completely if you're doing that. There's some, there's some interaction that has to happen. But, uh, you know, I'm just uh, trying to find my way. And I, 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 I trip up a lot, you know, and I think part of my way has to do with tripping. Uh, so it's it's all good. Um, it's just uh, fraught. It's very fraught. And uh, and I and and I haven't given up, but on some level I give up. You know, it's like uh, I guess you have to do both at the same time.
0: Mm, very interesting. So Kaveh, we're do, we're doing something a little bit new. Now with the show with 2017, um, I want you to just give us for the the listening audience. Now we're gonna move into the bonus content for members only here. Um, so I just want you to while we're still in the public realm here. Uh, can you give us your, your website and where people can find you, please?
1: Uh, sure. My website is just my first and, last and it's C-A-V-E-H-Z-A-H-E-D-I. It's a hard
0: thing to spell. Okay, we'll definitely make that available for anyone listening. Guys, if you want to hear the rest of this episode, which we're about to conduct, uh, you can get into the member side, and uh, that will lead you there. Guys, you've been listening to The Human Experience. My guest has been Cave. Uh, he, 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 he? Kaveh is a i've been mispronouncing his name this whole time but you can find him at the link that we will provide below i highly suggest that you check out his his work his movies very very phenomenal stuff uh, kave once again thank you so much for being here guys you will hear from us next week thank you so much for listening